Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off this cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Hey, Chelsea fans, real quick interjection. This is part two of the mailbag chat with Chidge. If you missed part one, go back and listen to it. We covered a ton of stuff, some serious, some not serious. Exactly what the exact same thing as you're going to hear in this one. So again, go check out part one uh, and enjoy this one. Part two coming at you right now. All right. Well, now that we've uh, moved on from happy hour, um, <laughs> we have more signing questions. So McGleezy saying, what do you make of the reports of Gabriel Magalhaes of Lille to Chelsea? Would he be an upgrade on any of our current center backs? And I know Cal Andre Kumquat here is asking about dream summer transfer targets. Cal, they might be dream winter transfer targets at this point, my man. We have no idea what that would be like. Um, and I think we probably touched on a lot of that already. But again, uh, a center back from Lille. Obviously, he is some Brazilian or Portuguese descent with that last name. Brazilian. Okay. Run us down, Dan. Um, thoughts? Concerns? 6'3". Uh, six, six, um, I mean, you know, playing for Lille. Lille have not been great um so that that's a concern right there he's he's tall he's good in the air um seems to have a great forward ball from the seven or eight youtube highlight reel clips that popped into the twitter timeline yesterday the moment (laughs) the association was made and i'm sure there's already probably hashtag welcome to chelsea videos on youtube too so you can find those there but yeah i think we'll do a little more homework to understand but 
I mean, it would then indicate to me, Nick, that that would be an indication that we'll probably sell one of our existing center backs. That would be, you know, whether it's Rudiger, whether it's uh, Zuma, whether it potentially is uh, Christensen, one would go if we're bringing one in. Yeah, it won't be Tamori because, again, if you look at the financial math, that wouldn't make much sense. But, yeah, my my gut is leaning that Zuma would be the one to go of those three, although you, I think you can make a strong case for, <laughs> for any of them at this point. But uh, it seems like Zuma has been kind of the most out of favor recently and um, – you know, I think would, you know, I think Everton would want him back. I think you'd, you could probably make a case for a lot of um, a lot of Premier League clubs who would who would kind of want a center back of his skills. So uh, it's interesting. I mean, Frank, I think Frank has a really good idea, Brandon, of what he wants on this front. And if this guy is the guy, then, you know, I, I trust him. Uh, my only point, because I try not to give verdicts as much as I can, because especially I have no idea. I mean, Chich, my approach is center back seems to be one of the positions that Lampard has rotated the most this season, which to me shows that he probably isn't sure who his best pair are. Obviously, Christensen's had a run lately. Um, people seem to be not totally convinced by Rudiger. Tamori's been in, then out. Zuma, we never really expected to be the starter. We pretty much expected him to be there for depth and cover. Um, but I think there's a clear indication that Lampard wants an upgrade on the center back position without a doubt. I couldn't agree more, Brandon. Um, who it might be that replaces one of those, I don't know. But uh, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, it's just... To be really honest, I I don't watch enough football other than Chelsea. And, you know, basically I make the judgment when they've actually played for us in a blue shirt before I get too excited. And really the same with all transfers. You know, I don't believe any rumour until I actually seen them sign on the dotted line. But I'm, I'm quite happy to talk about the conundrum that we do have with our centre-backs. And I think the problem that we've got, which you pretty much outlined there, Brandon, is that They've all got their strengths, but they've all got fallibilities as well. Now, okay, that's typically human, but you know, you want to mitigate as many fallibilities as you can. And we don't have, you know, what I would call a centre back who you say, yeah, he's my guy and he's in the team for the duration unless he gets injured. Uh, I think out of the four, I slightly disagree with Nick actually. I think I think Zuma is again, it's a, it's a classic example of what I just said actually, Nick. You know, Zuma brings a physicality and a dominance in the air that the others don't seem to have. And yet, you know, uh, he can trap it further than I can kick it. So, you know, he's not he's not really that good on the ground. Rudiger, I think, is prone to brain farts, which for an experienced player I find quite worrying. And he's not the, he's not the physical beast that we thought he was. Uh, Christensen, I think he's a great ball player, but I think, again, positionally he has issues. And, and I do worry about his lack of physicality. Uh, and Tamori, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, I don't think he, he really exhibited any more kind of errors and mistakes that you would expect a young player playing in his first Premier League season. And he's certainly got pace to burn. But yeah, he's on a learning curve. So maybe Frank thinks, well, I just can't take the risk with him yet. I think the other trouble that we have, chaps, is that, you know, centre-backs are a pairing if you're playing in a four. Mm-hmm. They have to work together. And I think this is also part of Frank's problem. It's not just that he hasn't got four really good centre-backs, it's that he doesn't have a really good pair. And that, I think, is half the problem. So, you know, it's a, it, I think you're right in saying that it's, it's actually probably 
among our biggest issues at the club. Although I have to say that I think we tend to ignore the midfield in this conundrum. And I thought it was remarkable when Billy Gilmore came in, how much better the defence looked because they weren't being exposed. And I mean, I'm not trying to dig out the likes of Jorginho or Kovacic or whoever, but if you're not, if you're not, you know, tracking back or winning the ball in midfield, you're leaving your defence very, very vulnerable. And I have a suspicion that it's the midfield that made the, made the defence look a lot worse than it perhaps is. Yes, yes, and yes. Chidge nails it. Done. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll come again. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, the Gilmore's existence, um, you know, potentially getting Loftus-Cheek back here at, at some point when this season resumes. I mean, having a physical midfield makes it so much easier for the defense to actually be able to get support. And when you kind of look at, you know, the, the lack of speed when you have a, a Barkley and Jorginho midfield, potentially, it's just, it's not, it's not built for the way the Premier League plays. You know, the Premier League plays and it cuts through that midfield. Um, you know, there, there's some working down the wings, but most of it's, you know, up, up the gut. And I think Nick, I mean, you know, in that scenario, yeah, I would like to see a more solid central pairing, but I think the way to overcome it right now, and if you don't sign a center back, is to figure out how to make the midfield stop, kind of leaking those balls past. The whole the whole squad needs improvement. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, I, I think top to bottom, uh, it it will be an absolute uh, miracle and and you know kind of accomplishment. I, I guess I should say more than a miracle if. Chelsea with this team are able to finish in a Champions League spot this year. Um, I think we all kind of see the gaps. We all understand that this is not where Frank wants to potentially be moving forward. And, uh, you know, if there is any sort of like normalized transfer window or, or fees or whatever throughout the season, which we've all expressed out on, um, it will be interesting to see where he cherry picks to, to kind of shore up the squad. So I hope... Uh, I hope that you know we're able to bring in some new talent and just kind of see where it goes. Okay, um, more to come on that. Uh, favorite match day snack? We got to keep it light from Taylor Ball saying, uh, "Mr. Chidge, what's your favorite match day snack?" Now, do you get it at the cock? Do you get it at the bridge? I know you're on a different diet these days, so that might uh, maybe you bring it with. Well, <clears throat> to be very honest with you, um, as, as any, anybody who's ever uh, arranged to meet me in the pub will know is that I'm always late because uh, I'm always flying around doing lots of different things. So invariably, um, I, I tend to kind of like forget to eat uh, before the match. And instead, in my, my go-to meal of choice is Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But it is true, isn't it? But uh, you're right. I did go on this kind of vegan diet for a while. And, and uh, you know, I kind of got into the habit of, of being better behaved and trying to at least build up some sort of a layer. And best, bless their hearts, uh, Pret-a-Manger, who are opposite uh, the CFC UK stall in the Fulham mm-hmm. Broadway shopping area, do serve a very nice uh, and weird uh, baguette filled with uh, sun-dried tomatoes, avocado and olives, which is very vegan. And uh, I, I, I now try and grab one of those so that I don't get too pissed. Like I did at the, at the Spurs match when I was so pissed, uh. I don't know how I got home. <laughs> Thanks to the Americans who came over, I have to say. Classic. Oh, no. Yes. Brian Wolf. Yeah, yeah, bad people. 
good people but bad people. Yeah, you and um, you and Yannick, he's vegan as well. You guys can come up with your 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 approach to that. Yeah. I I don't know, Nick. I I love the sausage rolls at the Cock Tavern. I I'm not vegan. I I just go all in. Yeah, uh, the the thing we we don't do sausage rolls over here at all, and it is like one of my favorite things when I go to the UK to have a proper sausage roll. So I I second, third, and fourth that. Statement. Damn, we don't we don't really do pies either. I feel like uh, I got a pie the first time at the bridge, and it was horrific. And so I feel like we need to go somewhere else outside of Stamford Bridge. Well, well the, the biggest mistake is getting the food at the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Get it from the pubs or the stalls in the, in the area surrounding either before or after because those the sausage rolls beforehand, the meals at the Atlas afterwards, there's there's way better food options than what you can get at Stanford Bridge on match day, which yeah. I think is what Chidge was going to say. Well, yeah, that's true, man. I mean, I, the number of times I rolled into Stanford Bridge having had four or five pints of Guinness, not had any lunch, and I'm absolutely really hungry. And at halftime, all that I would manage to get would be a, a kind of a, they call them a rollover dog. I don't know if you get them in the States. There's basically a hot dog, but I think they call them rollover dog because if you hit somebody on the head with them, they would roll over dead because <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're so hard and horrible. Um, I have to say the chicken balty pies at, at the bridge are good. I mean, I have this kind of really weird little kind of canteen, I suppose, or you know, little vending place in gate 17, which is tiny. Uh, and, uh, they have a really weird selection. They don't have as good a selection as everywhere else. And anyway, you have to queue up for the entire, you know, halftime break to get anything. So irrespective of the food's crap, you can't actually get it in time anyway. So I tend to give it a swerve, like you said. All right. Another hard pivot. Tarnished legacy. So interesting one from Natman says, um, random question, but do you think when club legends leave to play for rivals, think check to Arsenal, um, does it tarnish the reputation at the club? For example, Lampard playing at City, Czech playing at Arsenal, and I wouldn't put William in the same category as those two guys, but would it tarnish his Chelsea rep if he went to a team like Spurs at the end of the season? Nick, I feel like you would be the best one here at holding grudges. <laughs> really? Of all of us, you think I'm the one who's going to no, hold grudges? No, you literally cut loose and be gone. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, that's what you did last time. You said, I, I can care they're, less. They're dead to me. No, well, I mean, once they leave the club, and, and I did this, and, and I don't throw Eden Hazard into this, like, uh, tarnished legacy thing, because I, I think he, he ended on a, as positive a note as possible. But once he's playing for Real Madrid, I pay no attention to him. I don't. And it's not because I don't like him or that I don't miss him. Clearly, we could use him at Chelsea right now. I just, I care about who plays for Chelsea and nobody else, really. And so uh, it was weird seeing Lampard at City. It was weird seeing Czech playing for Arsenal. Neither one of them threatened our title challenges during those times. And, you know, if William goes to Spurs, that'll feel a little extra spiteful, I think, in the moment, maybe, than the other two. But, uh, yeah. Once they're gone, they're gone. I, you know, I just hope to beat them every time we play them. Dan, David Luiz to Arsenal. Well, I mean, he he helped us out in uh, <laughs> a couple of times this season. So, uh, you know, great great secret agent effort. I mean, again, play, players are going to do what they're going to do. I, I think it's in the modern era, it's foolish to think that a player is going to stay with your club for... 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, the, the era of the, the John Terry's is just not going to exist anymore. And so 
I, I think you have to enjoy them when they're here. I, I don't think, I think Lampard going to City didn't bother me. Yeah, I, I think it'd be great for Tottenham to sign Lillian and only get 10 goals a season out of them, uh, maybe, max. So uh, that would be great business for them. Really, really stupid. So uh, you know it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I, it doesn't bother me. I don't. I don't think it affects the legacy. Chidge is contextual for me. It's like, how were they when they were here? Did they cause a ruckus to leave? Did they leave on good terms? What do they say about the club and the fans when they leave? Courtois is obnoxious, for example. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm kind of with Nick on this. Um, I don't care really once they've gone. I mean, you're right. I think there has to be a bit of context. Uh, I mean, number one, I don't care who they are if they go to Spurs then they're immediately the enemy and and all bets are off. <laughs> but uh, you're right, actually, Brandon, there is context. Frank going to City, understandable. They wouldn't give him a new contract. He felt he had a year or two in him. You know, his legacy wasn't tarnished at all, nor, nor was Pedro Cech's for going to Arsenal. You know, he'd been a great servant of the club. You know, fair enough. I mean, it's, I think that the underlying thing that we we have to realise, and I think, I think as supporters, we always find it possible to get our heads around. These guys are not like us. They're not Chelsea supporters, no matter how much they say they are. They're professionals earning a dollar doing what they do. And, you know, if somebody's prepared to pay them when the club aren't, then they've got every right to go there and earn, their, uh, earn a living because it's what they do. I think, you know, some of them, some of them, I think probably, I think actually nearly, nearly all the ex-players that I've met when, because they've played for the club and they've got to know the supporters and, and just been around the club for a long time, I think they have a, an emotional attachment to the club. They have an empathy with the club. But, I mean, they're not supporters like you or I. I mean, apart from Joe Cole. Joe Cole stood on the terraces. You know, he's a supporter. And there are a few like that. But they're, they're few and far between. They really are. And, and, and I don't think we can castigate them for that. You know, they're professional footballers. They get paid to play football, not to support the club. Yeah, Joe Cole told us in, in his interview that... Sorry, yeah, hang had... on, Brad. You just dropped, dropped something here. Hang on, let me just pick it up. Oh, there we go. He, uh, he uh, said that he, the easy thing would have been for him to go to Tottenham, but he couldn't do it. He's just yeah. like, it would have felt wrong. But um, Cundy went, as a Chelsea boy growing up, did go to Tottenham. And yeah. I think... Look at him now. That just shows you, even if they are a Chelsea supporter, they do have a career. They do have a life. They have families and personal decisions to make. And unfortunately, they have a limited number of options. Well, I, I can tell you the Cundy story, you know, pretty accurately. He's a very good friend of mine, as you know. Sorry, I've just dropped something there. Hang on. Hang on. There you go. <laughs> but... Uh, and I was around then at the time when he got sold. And, and Jason was one of our most loved players at the time. He was a bit like a, a Mason Mount, if you like, or a Tamori. You know, he'd come up through the ranks. He was a Chelsea supporter. His dad was a Chelsea supporter. He used to go and watch Chelsea from the terraces. Uh, at the time, he was one of our best young players. Uh, you know, he won Young Player of the Year, or I think, or something like that. He was a real prospect, and he really impressed when he came in. And the club, as always, was strapped for crack, cash. And they, they, they sold one of their best prospects and they sold him to Tottenham. Now, Jason didn't have any choice in that. You know, it wasn't like he requested a transfer to Spurs. Spurs were interested in him. They came in for an offer. Bates said, yeah, off you go. And at the time, we were very, very angry about it because we didn't want to see one of our best young talents go. And famously, somebody wrote on the uh, spray painted on the East Dam wall, bring Cundy back because we were not happy. There were a lot of supporters to this day, in fact, who 
have never got that and have never forgiven Kundi for it, thinking that he he was a traitor and he went to the enemy and he deserves all he gets. But it's really unfair. A lot of us got that. And Jason is a massive Chelsea fan. I mean, you know, he, he fights almost a one-man battle in a sea of red media to bat for the Chelsea cause, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's also a lovely, lovely human being. I'm very, very fond of Jace. But, you know, he, he didn't want to go to Tottenham, but he had no choice. Like, he was sold to them like right. a slave would be. Think of it like that. Yeah, well well paid, different. Um, well, yeah. yeah, but, you know, they're assets that are, are bought Correct. and sold. Yeah, they're, they're numbers on the, spread, the the balance sheet. Yeah. All right. Um, next one up is coming from Kit Katara, one, two, three. Says, do you think Mark Gurhey or Connor Geller will have a look in next season? Dan? I think Connor is really, really impressed. So that is uh, definitely someone who could be an option. Uh, Gurhey, the pretty sure that was an 18-month loan. So I, I don't know if we would get him back uh, next season. And if we go out and buy a center back, very unlikely that we'd look to add another individual to that grouping. So, yeah, I, I would be of the mind that Connor probably has the the more likely of the shot, but if we're just kind of picking between the two. And, uh, you know, we've obviously seen, um, you know, Jamie Cumming could be one who, as a, as a goalkeeper, potentially could, you know, be the true understudy um, maybe next season versus, uh, you know, Caballero, if he ends up going. Um, it's just, there's a lot to kind of just dissect there, Nick. But, yeah, I, th- I think if it's between Gurhey and Gallagher, I'm probably thinking Gallagher is probably the one. I think both of them probably need another year on loan, personally. Uh, I think the midfield is going to get real full when Ruben gets back and, and our options are kind of different. So just wanted, you know, not nothing against Connor. I, you know, I just think probably – another year on loan for both center mid seems to be an extremely difficult place on the pitch to break in as a young player. Uh, Chidge, the, there you need to be so reliable and we end up usually seeing 26, 27, 28, 29 year olds in there. Even though we've already said with Mark Gurhey that center back is up for, you know, strengthening, he would probably continue to enjoy some time just hearing what Tomori's learned on loan. Um, I'm just trying to think of another center back that's come back. Obviously, Zuma had some good loans at Stoke and Everton as well. Uh, but anyways, I don't know if if you have a strong opinion on either one of those guys. Well, I, I, I haven't seen enough of Mark Gay really to, to make a, a really informed decision. But, you know, I know that the kid's got immense potential. He was one of England's under-17 World Cup winners. Uh, as was Jaden Sancho, as was Hudson Adoy. I mean, they were all in the same team. We had five Chelsea players in that side. So he's good, uh, but, you know, unproven at Premier League level. And as you said, rather young and inexperienced. I mean, you, you saw how, you know, how, how, how Tamori has fared this season. Last year, he was Derby's player of the year. And the, and the championship is a tough, tough league, believe you me. And yet, you know, it's it's a it's a case to be made that he's... He's, he's found it difficult this year, I think. You know, he's not been an automatic starter. So, yeah, I think you do need a bit of a bit of age and experience. But I would hope that they do pursue uh, Gay because I think he's got talent. Uh, Connor Gallagher is interesting because, I mean, you know, he, he tore it up for Charlton in the championship. He was one of the best players they had. And I know a lot of Charlton fans, and they were really pissed off that we'd swapped the loan deal and put him out to Swansea. But I do think you have a very good point, which is, you know, we we our, our midfield. We have a lot of good players in and around midfield. 
I, I, I do wonder, you know, where he's kind of more of a mount player, I think. You know, he's a, he's a, he's box to box, he's a tackler, but he's also creative and he can score. And if you think about it, that's Mason Mount. He's got a dislodge. Uh, if, and I think this is a big if, Nick, if Loftus-Cheek comes back and is as good as we saw the potential of, that's an issue. So it's a crowded area, as I agree. Um, I've, I've seen enough. I've seen enough of Conor Gallagher to to say he's worth having a go with. But it's it's you know it's tough in that midfield to break in. That's the trouble. I can't all play at the same time. <laughs> Seems Wish to be a bit could. of the yeah, a bit of a catch. Um, hmm. All right. Well, uh, you know, again, the point being, we still have a riff of talent coming through. And again, whatever happens in this economic, you know, crisis right now, or, you know, whatever changes, we've got players already on contracts at the club ready to go. All right, Chelsea fans, we're going to take a real quick break. Thank you to these sponsors financially supporting the show. When we get back, we have a lot more for you. Here we go. Uh, Medical issues. This is something that I've kind of been banging on a bit Chidge. So Graham is around asking, feels like we've been struggling a lot with injuries the past few years, particularly with younger players. And I'm wondering if you guys think that we've really been unlucky or if it's something deeper. I've, I've felt like we've, you know, not to use the arsenalification comment, but they were the ones with muscle injuries and all these problems and things like that. Chelsea had a hell of a run of really never getting injured. And now we've not only had muscle injuries, but we've had these Achilles injuries and in, in some significant things. Yeah. Uh, Chase, I don't know how you feel about this. We, we've kind of talked at length about this on, on previous shows, but um, one of the things we noted um, is that the medical staff and, and team on that side needs to have a hard look in, in the off season to kind of see if there's new training methods or something that could be done you know, potentially to kind of get back a, a queen bill of health because it's been too many, at least in my mind, too many of these to not kind of see a pattern develop. And, you know, if that's the case, then something probably needs to to change there. I, I really I really don't know, Nick. It's it, it's a very interesting point, but I'm, I, I, I'm not sure if I have a, you know, a, an informed answer on it. I, I Maybe we got lucky for that stretch of time when we didn't seem to get injuries. I mean, I do know that the training regime has changed. We do know that Frank wants to play a much more energetic pressing game. So that might have something to do with it. I do wonder that given the the squad size and strength, that players are perhaps rushed back more quickly than they ought to be. Um, you know, I think Kante is a case in point, but a different one, if you see what I mean, because I think he got hobbled last year. I think he's. I think potentially, actually, Kante sacrificed his career by playing in the Europa League final. And I mean, when you get an injury like he had, then you'll get other injuries as a result if you come back too soon. I think the Achilles injuries were just bad luck. You know, you can't litigate or mitigate against them. I mean, they they can just happen. And I mean, that's also a problem in the recovery too, because psychologically, I think a player is affected by an Achilles injury because they know that they don't know how it happened. It wasn't like somebody crashed into them in a two-footed tackle. I mean, no one right. was near Hudson. I was there at the match when Hudson-Odoi got injured. Nobody was anywhere near him. He just went down. So those are just bad luck. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, what, whatever the reason for it is, it's it's clearly been an issue this season. But I mean, look, Chelsea are a massive club with massive resources. And to think that 
you know, they just blithely go on ignorant of this would be stupid in the extreme. I'm sure they're concerned and are on the case about it. All right. Yeah, no, that makes well, sense. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it and see how it goes. Uh, Dan from Rohit saying, who is Chelsea's F1 comparison? Is that, a dri- right. is that Drivers? Uh, well, yeah, I guess is it Driver or is it uh, Team? Because you, you, you could go uh, go multiple different ways. Um, man, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I don't know... I feel like Ferrari is probably the one I go to first. Um, just in the mind that they, um, you know, not, not, not maybe right now, considering the fact that they got caught cheating and had to kind of come up with an agreement on <laughs> maybe city is a better, uh, Ferrari comparison for right now. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's a interesting one. I think, uh, you could, you Ferrari is probably the one that jumps to mind first for me, just due to the fact that they, they have pedigree, um, care about winning, um, you know, kind of a very, very singular focus, uh, especially now that, you know, they are, because uh, there are teams that have to buy parts and there are teams that and manufacture and there are teams that manufacture and race as well. And, uh, you know, now with our group of young players coming up, we're not just uh, going out and buying best players. We are manufacturing great players as well. Chid, you watch F1? I don't at all. Um, I'm not a massive fan, but I'm, I'm not kind of averse to it. Uh, weirdly, where I grew up, I used to live next door to a Formula One driver. And uh, another another person I was at school with became a, a kind of a broadcaster on Formula One. For so for some reason, I mean, I'm talking about a town with about ten thousand people. So this is like really odd. But um, I've got to disagree with you fundamentally, Dan. There's no way Chelsea could be Ferrari because Ferrari play in red. God's <laughs> sake. <laughs> Plus, also Ferrari are the old guard. Ferrari are more like Liverpool, really. Oh, okay. They play in red, and and they used to win everything, and they haven't done so good recently. Um, I'd say Mercedes, that, that would be Man City, definitely Man City. I think we're more of a Red Bull team, actually, you know, basically getting in there, screwing up the old guard a bit and being a bit kind of kamikaze, uh, particularly Leclerc. He's a very kamikaze driver. But I think, aren't, aren't we actually associated with the Formula One team? I think, aren't we partnered with Sauber or something? Was it Force India? I can't remember. One of them. I know Chelsea, because they've got like a Chelsea badge on the car. It might be Sauber. Somebody will know this. Somebody who's into F1 will know this definitely. Yeah, Sauber C31. Chelsea joins yeah. forces with Sauber F1 there to increase you go. global reach. Knowledge, gents. I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> that was 2012. I wonder if it's still still a thing. Okay, Nick, do you want to get in? I'm out on that. I have no, I have no context or reference for that. How about this? Any content, shows, movies, books, or games to recommend? Obviously, I have to recommend our pro club on Xbox. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you want to hear me swear more than I do on this show, then our pro club on <laughs> on Xbox is where to go. Um, I, you know, I. I love I love Netflix and basically all it has to offer. I just started the English game on uh, on Tuesday and got a couple episodes deep on that. It's it's pretty good. Um, it's pretty good so far. So we'll see how that kind of ends. I know that everyone's watching Tiger King right now. Yeah. And, and frankly, I have no interest. So you I, will I can, once I, you start it. I'm not, but I'm not going to. I just don't have any interest in watching that. Personally. I just look forward to uh, Nick uh, doing a you know. Joe Exotic Halloween costume this year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sure. Chidge, I have watched a few of the uh, Premier League season reviews. So I watched 0405, 0910. What what content are you guys up to? 
Have you learned the guitar yet? What the hell? What's that? There you go. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you said you were going to learn the guitar and watch all of the season review DVDs you have. Bear How with are... me, bear with me. <laughs> For those oh. of you not able to watch the live stream or the video, he is now proof, proof headed over needed. to get his guitar. He's pulling out the guitar. Look at right. that. But the yeah. string's broken. I broke the string. There you go, broken string. Uh. I need to replace that and then we're good to go, all right? But, uh, <laughs> you know, in all seriousness... I have to be honest. I don't. I don't do. I don't do games like Xbox and stuff. You know, the only game I, I'm interested in is the game of life, chaps. Oh, but uh, the board okay. game or the real one? <laughs> no, the board game, obviously. You know, but uh, look, con- yeah. I mean, it's a good time to kind of check into to content. I'm, I'm absolutely determined. I've got um, every season review from 2000, and I intend to go back and, and watch all of them. And when I get past that, I'm going to like. I've got so many football DVDs. I'm going to watch all of those. But I mean, I tell you what you do find on, on Amazon and on uh, Netflix. There's some really good sports documentaries, which are well worth checking out. I mean, I need to go and watch the Diego Maradona film because that's an absolute corker, apparently. And I haven't got around to that yet. Me but either. When I get bored of football, I, I turn to music as well. And I love a, I love a music uh, documentary as well so i'll be checking a few of those out too because i love my music i think the uh the sunderland the second season of sunderland till i die comes out uh next week i think so that'll be another one to dig into that first season was great i can't wait to watch the spurs all for nothing amazon (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's going to be amazing. Who at tottenham approved that title i mean it's just crazy isn't it it's like my eyes are seeing the glory so, so all, all or nothing is the name of the the series that they do, and they do it under that banner. So it's just it's but just wonderful happenstance that it happens to be Spurs doing it at this time. No, it's unbelievable. It, when Spurs do it, it's all for nothing. That's their that's their uh, title. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Either way, it works. Let's face it. Quite honestly. Um, all right. So interesting one from Kit Cornish saying. What is your favorite Chelsea team, so from a season, and manager of all time and why? So you have to, it's a combo deal here. So you have to pick manager and team, favorite of all time, uh, and why? So, I mean, Chidge, obviously, you might need a little bit because you have a lot more teams and managers to go through than we do. Um, Dan, do you have an idea? Um, probably Carlo. Um... 09, 010, or, or 09 to 10, probably. I think uh, okay. double with Carlo would be, uh, would be you know, just great players, great football, super fun, and winning is, always makes it even better. Yeah, Czech, Ivanovic, Cole, SCN, Carvalho, Lamps, Joe Cole, Drogba, Mikel, Balik, Maluda. That's an okay team. Bosingua, Deco was there, Ferrer's still there, uh, Gail Kakuda was there at the time. Uh, Anelka, Belletti, Alex, JT, Modic, Sturridge, Kalu. This is, this is a decent shout. I mean, to be fair, Nick, that's the team that jumped to my mind right away. But damn, did I love that Conte season because we were a bunch yeah. of bastards. Yeah, I, I really loved I really loved that Conte season. And I think – so I'm, I'm caught between that one and I'm caught between um, – the team that lost to Barcelona in the semifinal due to the shithazery of a referee because that team under head ink was playing such good football. And I know that's a weird one, but that Barcelona loss is still forever the most agonizing loss 
uh, of any sport in my entire life. And I'm still angry about it. So those, those two things, those two teams are, are kind of up for me, but I, I think I would edge Conte slightly because we want it. Chich, have I stalled long enough or did you know right no, away? No, I need at least another even... hour, I think, uh, Brandon. It's a really good question, actually, because you have to, it's like, a, it's a manager team combo. So you can't mm-hmm. like choose. Yeah, I like that. Um, you know, if I was about three years older, I would say Eddie McCready's Blue and White Army. Because they, they, I mean, everybody I know, a lot of my close mates at Chelsea who are a little bit older than me, they always would cite that team. It just excited them so much at an age when they were young enough to kind of get into it. And all the players were about the same age because it was almost the entire youth squad that played. But to be really honest, I missed out on that. Uh, I was very fond of John Neal's 83-84, you know, second division title winning side and what they went on to do in the first division that year. Equally, one that's often forgotten, actually. And do you know what? Weirdly, because I have loads of hooky DVDs as well as the proper ones. And I discovered one of the 88-89 season the other week. Was it? Yeah, I think it's the 88-89 season when Chelsea won the second division title with the most, I think, 96 points. And I watched it and they were phenomenally good. And then the next season when they went up, they, they finished uh, about six. And I think they were top of the league for a while. That was a hell of a team under Bobby Campbell. Um, but let, I, I also like Viali's Chelsea. They were mm. they were hilariously fun. I mean, they were the embodiment of their manager, and I was a massive fan of Luca Viali. I love the little guy, and still do. But I think for me, I would for me, it's really a toss up between Carlo's double winning side because that's arguably the most attractive football I think I've ever seen Chelsea play. I mean, how can you argue with seven? seven nils and eight nils you know and Carlo I think he's arguably given given that Mourinho shithoused us in the end of the day I think Carlo could quite possibly be my favorite all-time Chelsea manager but I'm gonna have to say it's that 2005-6 in fact it's 2004-5-5-6 first Mourinho incarnation that is the most shithousing football team I've ever seen (laughs) they played great football they bullied people. They were just, they were, you, you know, they were indomitable is how I would put them. And I mean, don't forget how many points they put on the board in that second season as well. I mean, it's, it's, so I mean, if it, was to, if it was to be one season, it'd be that 2005-06 season. The likes of Herman, Herman Crespo tearing it up. I mean, wow, what a side. And Mourinho absolutely at the peak of his powers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely at the peak of his powers. And and you've got Lampard and Terry coming through and Drogba. So I'd say maybe the if I nailed it down to one season, it would be the 2005-06 season, I think, under Mourinho. That 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 that's the best it's ever been, I think. Yeah, I can I mean, the good news is we have a lot to choose from. Yeah. And there's really no wrong answer at this point, which has been fantastic. Um, all right, as we round out the last two, Miles here says, what would be the lineup? If the season were to resume, which players would be fit to play? I think if you just have to take the assumption that everyone would be fit, maybe bar Ruben at this point, because he hasn't really played a lot of minutes. Sounds like Christian's back. We don't really, I mean, Callum's at least recovered from coronavirus. Uh, I mean, Nick, if your lineup, if you could kind of pick your team right now, uh, assuming everyone's healthy, are you in a three, four, three, four, Three, yeah, three. I'm I'm in a three four three. Um, 
I, I think I have Tamori, Christensen, and Rudiger as my back three. I have Reese and Alonzo on the wings. Uh, I have Ingolo Kante and Kovacic in the middle. Uh, and then I would probably play Pulisic on the left, Abraham up top, and Callum on the right. I think that's probably it's about as good as it would get for me. I mean, I am I am a huge Ruben fan, and I want him to come back healthy. I think this extra time off may be a blessing in disguise for him, um, just to kind of get as fit as humanly possible. But um, yeah, I think that would be mine. Dan, uh, fittest. Uh... Man, I'm also going to do it off of the fact that I haven't seen Ruben play, even though if he's fit, I just, you know. Are we assuming that they're like 100%? They're like yeah. conditioned? Yeah, ready, they've ready had a go? break. Okay. They've been training at home. Oh, training at home. Yeah, that's it's, it's like people working from home right now. <laughs> yeah, when at home is work and you just kind of take a little bit of time off. Um, yeah, I think uh, back four, midfield three, front three up top. Uh, I think you see Aspi, Zuma, Christensen, Reese James, um, Mount Gilmore, Conte, and then uh, Pulisic, Abraham, and William presently. Did I hear any goalkeepers? Well, I'm, I'm Kepa. Kappa, Kappa and goal at the moment. Yeah, Kappa and goal for me. Well, I'm just saying. I didn't think that was you know stone stone cold recently. So Chidge, I'll go Kappa. Um, I'll put Reese James at right back, and then Sp Rudiger and Christensen back three. Alonzo left wing back. Um, a midfield two of Kovacic and Conte, and then your attacking trio would be Tammy. No, I'm no Giroux, Pulisic, and William right now. It's a tough one, isn't it? And it's there re- will be subs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a really tough one, this, because a lot of things have queered the pitch recently, and you suddenly, if you had them all back fit again, where would you go? But I mean, I, I would obviously Kepper in goal. Uh, I, I'm torn between James for left. Well, I'm torn between. Aspie at left back or Alonso at left back. I know Alonso gets a really hard hard time, but I I think he proved recently that he's still got something to offer, certainly for, as a goal threat and an aerial threat. Mm-hmm. So it would be a toss-up for me between Aspie on the left and Alonso, but uh, Reese James would have to start on the right, I think. I, I, I really like James. I think he's got so much to offer. I would go Rudy Gazuma. Uh, I thought that pairing looked really strong in the last couple of matches we played. Uh, Gilmore, for me, has to start. I don't care how young this kid is. He is something else. He is mm. something else. Uh, he has to start. Uh, he starts, for me, instead of Jorginho. So yeah. then what do you do? Because if Kante's fit and firing, which he might be after a long layoff, how can you not play Kante? He's our one world-class player. So Kante, Kante comes in. In which case, what do you do? Do you have Kovacic or do you have Mount or do you have Barkley? I, I'm uh, depending on who we play. I think, you know, I think if we're playing a really shit side, then I'm tempted to to have Barkley and Mount in the side, pretty much as we did against Everton. 
if we're playing against somebody really good, then I'm tempted to have Kante, Kovacic and Gilmore and I'd put Mount on the left. But then okay. if Pulisic is back, I think Pulisic is a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. You know, we've really missed him. So he comes in for Pedro. I think Abraham has to start and I, and I really like William. I really like William. So if I'm going to nail it down, I'm going to have uh, Kovacic, Kante and Gilmore Mount on the left, uh, William and Abraham. So Pulisic doesn't get back in, which I can't believe I'm saying because I think he's phenomenally good. <laughs> I think it's really tough. I mean, this mm-hmm. this is the sense is the dilemma. This is why managers get paid the big bucks, and we we just sit here and talk shit about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard. Well, we are going to end it with Shane's question here. He's in the chat, and I'm sure he'll get hyped. But I think it's a very appropriate one to end with. He says, what are you most looking forward to when the next official Chelsea match is finally played? Now, there's an asterisk because obviously Chidge is going to say down at the pub with his mates. That might not be an option, sir. Yeah. No, you're right, Brandon. I I, I worry hugely about that. Um, You know, the pubs are going to take a massive, massive hit from having no football over and above the fact that they're taking a hit because they've all had to shut and they may not be back when we come back. Um, so, you know, I, I won't go for the obvious. I mean, everybody knows that, I, I, you know, that the joy of uh, seeing my friends again, um, I think it's a very close run thing between seeing everybody at the CFC UK stall, which will be really special because the atmosphere there will be fantastic because everybody will be really pleased to see each other again. Um, but I have to say, you know, to be able to walk up those ridiculously bloody, enormous staircases that I have to get up to the top of the Matthew Harding stand, but to be able to sit in the seat that I've sat in for nearly 20 years uh, and be able to look over to my right and see Clayton and see Paul Hay and Graham Fendel and Tony Glover and Johnny Dyer, look over to my left and see John and then Marco and, and Michelle. I mean, that that will be really... Sp- I think I might actually shed a tear when I do that. It'll be quite emotional. Obviously, our experience is usually remote anyways, Nick. You know, if we're lucky, we have a group at the pub to meet up with, as you and I do. I think for me, just watching Chelsea walk out onto the pitch, because we don't have those tangible things that Chich has, to me, that will get my emotions going again. Because it's something we haven't experienced in a long time. I know. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to like when we're able to gather in groups again to to have beers with with Brett and Corey and Natalie and all, my group here in Kansas City because I, I, you know, I really enjoy that and maybe took it for granted um, this season. Um, but I, I think the other thing I'm looking forward to is actually like talking about football on this podcast again <laughs> and not hypothetical <laughs> scenarios. So, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to both of those things. It's, you know, the, the other impact, you know, we've talked a lot about some of our, our really great youth players, you know, who've been stepping up in, in leaps and bounds this season. And, and while we're going to get a chance to say goodbye to some players this season, like Pedro and William, and we want to be able to offer them the appropriate send off, like the, the stall that's happening for, for Mason or for Billy or for Tammy by not kind of getting to play week in, week out. I mean, that was, that was the best thing about this season was getting to watch all of these young players rise to the challenge of the difficulty of the Premier League. And I think getting 
that going again, which, which was really what I think made some of this season so damn exciting, uh, is going to be really enjoyable. So, you know, getting the, the, the proper Chelsea youth, as it were, back onto the pitch as well and against some, you know, tough matches that we still got coming up. So there, there's going to be plenty of opportunity once this does resume, if it does resume, to, uh, to play some really significant, really important matches against top teams. And, uh, you know, they, they've shown up on those occasions this season. I would really love to hear from all of you listeners out there what you are most looking forward to seeing again. And we will share those out. If you tweeted us, we'll retweet Instagram, we'll post the stories, things like that. Um, because, you know, we, we want to get the momentum rolling again. You know, it's been a while now. We've, we've had time to understand that it's not coming back for a while. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't reminisce and, and look forward to it uh, once it eventually gets back. Chidge, that's it. Mailbag's empty. Done. Well done, boys. It's been, as always, you know, guys, always lovely to talk to you. It, it's, uh, you know, I know I'm a busy boy, but, you know, <laughs> any time, you know, for you, uh, always a pleasure, guys. Lovely to speak to you and to see you for a change as well. That's the lovely thing about Zoom. We get, we get to kind of, I think it's important, you know, to, to be able to yeah. see people as well as hear them. So well done. Lovely to speak to you. We, we went with a special two-hour episode in your honor today. So. <laughs> Now, well, you're slipping, man, because we're we're averaging at least two hours twenty now. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, yeah, we we'll... still can't get it across the line like you guys can. No, well, you don't have Jonathan Kidd on your show. <laughs> Congratulations, though, on on five hundred. That's yeah, a wonderful massive. milestone. And yeah, well, we got a couple of weeks yet. <laughs> Anything can happen. <laughs> no chance all right guys well listeners thank you so much hope you enjoyed this two-parter uh and until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high